So I'm a father of one. I gotta find a babysitter. I found care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Caratini. Deep fly ball. Way back. Goodbye. Six-five Brewers on Caratini's home run. Yes, he does have a flair for the dramatic. How about that one? Home run call a day. Victor Caratini goes deep for the Milwaukee Brewers. Excellent, excellent call by Brian Anderson, Bill Schrader. Great way to kick off the day. Great way to end the week. Great way to storm into what is going to be uh, a really, really fun weekend. Thank you, FanDuel, for sponsoring us powering us jumping aboard the baseball isn't boring express at bb isn't boring are the socials you can get them there's more socials than ever but you know where to find them at bb isn't boring producer evan doing an outstanding job like i said it's the end of the week it's been a crazy crazy week and it's gonna be an uh i think uh not only a fun weekend but an exciting weekend this is, this is heading into the All-Star festivities, obviously, sort of defining also what we have in terms of pennant races, who's buying, who's selling. Also, as we know, the draft coming up on Sunday, just a little standings note. We should do like a standings note every day. I think I should package this better, the standings. Anyway... Uh, because people want to know who's hot, who's not, so forth and so on. Well, you know who's hot out of nowhere? Ever since Evan Roberts took the reins as president of baseball operations, according to Baseballs and Boring for the New York Mets, holy mackerel, Mets have won five in a row. Five in a row, six and a half back in the wild card, still breathing. Also, the Reds, I don't know if you know, they're exciting, they're young. They're fresh. They're new. They've won five in a row. They're not going anywhere. They're 49 and 39. They're game up on Milwaukee. Victor Caratini's Milwaukee Brewers. So you're having some great, great pennant races shaping up. People are defining themselves, like I said. You have some teams falling out of it, maybe defining themselves as sellers. So 
we just want to like embrace what is going on. We want to embrace uh, the the pointed things in baseball, the timing of baseball. As we said, right now, the here and the now, it's heading into the final series before the All-Star festivities in Seattle. And like we said, we're going to be there. We'll be there for the Futures game. We'll talk to all the prospects. We'll be there for the Celebrity Softball game because I we know that you guys love talking about baseball with people who don't necessarily play baseball but are famous. A good combination. And then, of course, the draft. And today's podcast, excuse me, today's podcast is focused mostly on the draft. In in the sense of, I love, and we've been asking people this, uh, advice they would give their younger selves. These these players, these established players, or these high-profile players, what they would tell their younger selves when they get drafted. We've had some good answers, and we're going to play a lot of those answers a little bit later in the podcast. But first, I caught up with Corey Seager, a guy who I've been wanting to talk to. Obviously, the Texas Rangers shortstop, and holy mackerel, obviously having a good year. Hits another home run last night. Hit, he's hitting 360, best in the American League, with a 1040 OPS. I mean, this guy is, he is living up to the contract that he signed last year. And he's also had a, a really, really interesting journey. He's a guy who was drafted in the 2012 draft. And in that draft, he was the 18th overall pick. Now, why did we talk to Corey Seager besides him being good? Because there has been a ton of high school. Well, there's always a ton of high school shortstops drafted. This is one of the, I think, the, the sweet spots for a lot of these teams. They want athletes. They want athletes they can mold. And high school shortstops do the do the trick. And when you look at Corey Seager's draft, perfect example. Three guys before him, there were three high school shortstops drafted before him, actually. Carlos Correa at number one, Aston Russell at number 11, and Gavin Caccini at number 12. And like you said, Seager was drafted 18. So why I wanted to talk to Seager about this was, you know, so you're talking 2012, and then ultimately what happens is that he finally gets to the major leagues in 2015. So what is the track for these high school shortstop? And I thought Seager had a pretty good path, a pretty good um, example of how long it's going to take for a guy like him, a highly thought of first round high school shortstop to make it to the major leagues. Like you said, 2015, he finally broke in with the Dodgers late in the year. Now, if you look at the track that Bobby Witt Jr. took, that's different. Bobby Witt Jr. was drafted, and these are the most recent round of high school shortstops who have actually made it to the major leagues. That would have been 2019, that draft. So Bobby Witt Jr. makes it to the major leagues after in the same sort of amount of time that Corey Seager did, with the exception of Bobby Witt Jr. didn't get dropped into the major leagues late in the year. He made it to that year at the very beginning, on opening day. So that's, I think, the extreme of what we're talking about. So if you look at, for instance, these guys, drafted in 2012, makes it in 2015. Witt, drafted in 2019, 
and then makes it to the major leagues in 2022 to start the year. I know all these people want to know, when is their shortstop going to make it to the major leagues? Red Sox, Marcelo Meyer, when's he going to make it to the major leagues? Jordan Lawler, Arizona Diamondbacks, when's he going to make it to the major leagues? So, like we said, in 2019, that was the most recent time where you actually had high school shortstops drafted who are now in the major leagues. After Bobby Witt, the number six overall pick in that draft, C.J. Abrams, he's in the, in the major leagues with the Washington Nationals. Then you have, let's see, yeah, so those two guys in the first round in terms of high school shortstops make it to the major leagues from 2019, gets dropped in by, it, by this time. Now, Gunnar Henderson also took the Corey Seager route in terms of the time it took to get to the major leagues. 2019 gets dropped in the major leagues late in 2022. He was drafted just outside the first round. He was the second round, 42nd overall pick. The other high school shortstop from that draft, from that 2019 draft, Anthony Volpe, well, you've heard of him. So he was obviously picked at number 30 overall. He makes it to the major leagues a little bit later than the sort of the Seager route. He gets dropped to the major leagues this year. I just think it's great examples great advice that a guy like Corey Seager can give because you know you're talking about you're talking about guys who are so so much hype around them and so much expectations if you're a shortstop and you're drafted in the first round the perception is that you're going to be a foundation piece now you go to last year I think this is another great reason why we should focus on high school shortstops being drafted look at last year Last year, first overall pick, Jackson Holiday. Fourth overall pick, Tamar Johnson. All right? Then you have, let's see, you have other guys. Jet Williams, 14th overall pick, Mets. 21st overall pick, Cole Young, Mariners. Mikey Romero, Red Sox, 24th overall pick. All high school shortstops. When, when are they going to make it? Well, you should look at Corey Seager. You should listen to Corey Seager because he has advice for all these guys about the route that he took, the challenges that he faced, the toughest obstacles that he had along the way, and what happened when you actually make it to the major leagues. So it's great, great stuff. And like you said, after we talk to Seager, I'm going to give you, thanks to producer Evan, a compilation of basically guys giving advice to these draft picks, what they would say when looking back at being drafted. What was that What was that like? And then to cap things off, a little bit of bonus. I want to give you Jonah Heim. Jonah Heim's a catcher for the Texas Ranger, another all-star. All we do is have all-stars uh, heading into the all-star game. And Jonah Heim, the reason I wanted to talk to him was another thing that we have brought up a lot with players is what it's like to get traded. We've asked this guy, everyone has a different story, a good story. But Jonah Heim is a guy who is sitting here as an all-star for the Texas Rangers and, you know, making his mark in baseball, 28 years old. Ooh, 28, and he, I believe he just just turned 28 june 27th happy birthday jonah did not know that when i talked to him should have wished him happy birthday but he's already been traded three times three times 
So he was drafted in the fourth round in 2013. In 2016, he was traded for a guy, you might know him, remember him. He had been, like, he was the guy, the epitome of get that guy to help us make a playoff run. 2016, 2016, Jonah Heim traded for Steve Pierce, a young Jonah Heim. So he's traded to Steve Pierce from the Orioles to the Tampa Bay Rays. Then the Tampa Bay Rays sent Heim to the Oakland A's in 2017 as player be named later in a Joey Wendell trade. And then finally, 2021, he's traded from the A's to the Rangers in a deal that involved Chris Davis and Elvis Andrews and uh, Aramis Garcia going to Oakland. So if you're ever going to find a guy who knows what it's like to get traded and give that dynamic, then it's Jonah Heim. So there you go. All right, but first, Corey Seager talking something that I think everybody, if you're drafted, if you're about to be drafted as a shortstop and you're in high school, I know there's plenty of you out there, you're going to want to listen to this, or if you're a fan of a team that's going to do that, it's a worthwhile lesson. Here you go, Corey Seager. When when you were drafted out of high school, obviously first round pick, was it thought what you thought it would be? Like, and I've talked to other guys about this. It's like you're like you haven't had a lot of failures, you know. And like, okay, drafted first round, major leagues, here I come. Looking back at it, was it what you thought it would be? Um, I think I had an advantage of it to where my brother had already went through it, so I knew kind of not what to expect, but had some at least ideas um, and. Failure was a big thing. Um, him failing at school a little in the beginning, you know, and just trying to figure out a level and then get to the, the minor leagues and having the same type of thing. Um, so I never went in there expecting to just do what you do in high school, obviously. Right? Mm-hmm. So I had a, um, I think I had a little bit of an unfair advantage out. We, I've used you before as an example. Like, for instance, the Red Sox have this kid, Marcelo Meyer, who's drafted fourth. When's he going to make it to majors? Okay, well, you have the Bobby Wood Jr. example, or, you know, called up opening day. You were sort of middle of the year. Going through that, I don't think it's unfair for me to do that, first of all, but we have to. We're trying to figure this out. What was the biggest jump for you? Like, when you're going through that progression, what was the biggest jump for you? Um... Besides going, obviously, the major leagues. Yeah, obviously. Um, I think the hardest one for me was I failed at the end of my first year. I got called up to high A and failed. Um, And then repeated it again and had success. But I think that was the biggest learning curve like you were talking about, right? It was the first time I'd really failed, um, figuring out what went wrong, how it went wrong, and trying to just re-get back what I had, you know? So, um... I would like to say that's the hardest one, but probably double A is the biggest jump. To go to double A? Yeah, Yeah, to go to double A. Um, I'd probably say that's the biggest one. Why? Why is that? You just age probably. You know, you don't get as many um, really young players. Um, And if they are there, they're really good. So it's it's probably just the most competition that you'd face. You know, one through five in their rotation is normally somebody that's got a chance. Um, it's just those kind of things. When you're going through it, when you're going through that year, was there a time where you're like, okay, it clicked? 
know, where, I mean, because, you know, every level you sort of get used to, right? Um, kind of, you know, you always have your doubts about the next one. Um, probably the best advice my brother ever gave me was make each level the big leagues. Like, don't look ahead. Um, treat it like it's the big leagues. Treat it like this is as far as I can go. How do I perform at this level? And just do that and never look ahead. When you get closer, obviously you came up like in August. In September. September, yeah, yeah. Was there a point in that year where you're like, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready? Um, I don't think so. Um, I just, I couldn't let myself do that, right? Because then you're disappointed that you're not there and you lose the moment, right? It's a big thing that we've always talked about is being in the moment. Um, and I think if you start doing that, you lose what you're doing. When, what would the advice I get? And this is another thing I asked for you. Like you, you were the beneficial beneficiary of your brother. Yeah. What advice would you give? There's a in a couple days here. We're gonna have a lot of these kids. Last year, I think there was, you know, there was a bunch of high school shortstops. I, Matt McLean was in here, UCLA. He had high school shortstops picked before him. Looking back at it, what advice would you give those kids who are gonna be there in Seattle? Get that draft um, about the draft about the draft no more about like that you know about that draft about the mindset you obviously you want to enjoy it but is, is there any advice like looking back like no I think that's the only thing you can do is try and be in the moment as much as possible don't get disappointed if something doesn't happen you know don't don't try and not expect something to happen because then you're disappointed. That's what Chris Sale told me yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, try and not expect something. You know, you, you kind of go to, into it knowing certain spots that you might happen, but don't expect it to. So Sale yesterday said he was picked 13th. He had bought a hat for a team that he was sure was going to pick him. Yeah. Were you that way? Did, were, um, I mean, not necessarily a hat, but did you think that this team is going to pick me? Um, I had like spots that I thought could happen. Um, honestly, I don't even remember what they were now, but there was definitely teams that were taking like shortstops per se, and it didn't happen until we didn't And when you get to the majors, for those kids who do get to the majors, what did it, what is it like? Like what is, when you get there? How many years were you out of high school by then? Like um, four, three or four, three or four. What it, so what is that like? Looking back again, this is like we're educating young minds yeah. here, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it was awesome, right? But, I mean, you grow up fast in the minor leagues, right? You have to. Um, and you're also playing for yourself. I mean, this is another thing. In the minors, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but people have told me, in the minors, you're sort of playing for yourself. And then your majors, like, you're here to win. Yeah. Um, I think that was a good thing that the Dodgers did, though, is, like, it wasn't individual. They tried to win at every level, so you have that kind of ingrained in you already. So when you get to the big leagues, it's still not about yourself, right? Like, you can lose that aspect of you. Yeah. Have you talked to young players like that, like kids, like who are just get drafted or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I I always tell them uh, the same thing my brother did, right? Like make it to your big leagues. Um, don't look ahead. Try and be in the moment. And you don't have. Where were you when you get drafted? Uh, I was at home. Okay, you don't have to 
Great stuff from Corey. There you go. Continuing the conversation when it comes to what it's like to get drafted and what advice you would give the younger self. We have a lot of high draft picks talking about that. We are doing a service for all these young people who are about to have their lives changed on Sunday in Seattle. Here's the compilation. Here you go. Bunch of them. Grayson Rodriguez, Charlie Blackman, Tristan Cassis. I'll give the what's what. When I think people try to always have their own little twist on your story, um, you know, and you just have to go to what you know, and that's you know when you were, I guess, in the backyard playing catch with your dad, or like in a high school game, or you know whatever. Like what got you to this point is what you need to keep doing. You know, um, obviously if there's something wrong, like, and there's, I guess, a highly touted coach or somebody you know that has really good experience, like yes, like take what they have to say. But I think if one person tries to change the way you do things, I think that sometimes can get a little off path. Just have confidence in yourself. Love the game. Um, learn to deal with failure. Um, hope you don't have to, but you know it's always a good tool to have. And um, you know, being the first pick, it's. I look back and as much of a burden as it may have been at times. I think that it's a huge honor. Um, you know, it's something I wouldn't trade for the world, and it's something that you know I'll be able to tell my kids one day. And, and you know, not a lot of people get that opportunity. Uh, you'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the point. Is like you get drafted, you're in pro ball. It's like once you're in, no one cares how much you signed for. No one cares where you were picked. It's like the guy's not going to be on the mound. Like, oh, this guy was drafted fifth overall. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it doesn't matter. Like you got a chance to play professional baseball. Yeah. Once you drafted or sign a free agent contract, every everyone has a chance. Day by day is certainly the best path to to go with uh don't try to play gm um (laughs) you know and 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 try not to just let the results be the only thing that you take away from the day that you had be great what what i like to think is the number one skill for all athletes control the controllables you can't control where you're drafted say you're drafted very high Okay, then it becomes don't we don't want to put that added pressure on ourselves. What what can you control? Well, you control how you respond to adversity. You control your effort, your energy. Um, you control your attitude. Um, you control your preparation, your perspective on everything. Um, there, there's so much out of our control that when we start to focus on that then that pressure mounts, then that fear mounts, then that anxiety mounts. But because we start all of a sudden thinking about 
um, what other people think, what other people decide to do with you. Oh, I'm all I'm this big prospect now. I got to do this. I got to do that. Oh, these people must expect this out of me. And then we put these expectations on ourselves. So a mantra that I really try to get across to whether it's big leaguers or youth players is execution over expectations. So the only thing, if you are drafted in this draft, no matter where you are, say you're the number one overall pick, the number, the only thing you should think about is executing what's 100% in your control, which we call your process and not worry about outcomes. If you are so ruthless and intent intentional with your process, then as a byproduct, your outcomes are, are going to come your way. So I have a shorter memory um, and it's not life and death. So I feel like when you put things in perspective, I think you can kind of sit back and be like, all right, I mean, I'm not, when you're, when you're hot, you're not the best player in the world. When you're cold, you're not the worst player. Walking in, like, drafted in the second round, a high pick, you know, like walking in my first day in Pro Bowl, these guys got it wrong. Like, I don't I don't belong here, you know? And, uh, and, and, and you know, the same thing you could say about um, my first day in the big leagues, you know? Like, it's just a, a, it's a, a recurring pattern of uh, being exposed to something you're not accustomed to, which is above my, you know, above your level of competition at the time. And then figuring out how to deal with it, make your adjustments, rise to that level of competition, and then hopefully exceed it and have success. And, and that's, you know, that's the jump from JV to varsity. That's the jump from junior college to D1. That's the jump from single A to double A, you know. And, and it's just basically that pattern over and over until you make it to the big leagues. You never know what's going to happen on that day. And you never know someone can have a last minute decision and it's like it's hard not to though because it's your future right so you're only really thinking about all the information you think you have or you you know and um, so I think I would just kind of enjoy the process more than getting kind of caught up in it and trust yourself trust yourself and if you think that you're you're good enough to, to play major league baseball go for it and if you think that you know you might not be then go to college go to college because it's always good to have a fallback plan i think it all depends on what you want to do if if you want to play baseball and you want to be a baseball player um then you should sign i think it depends what position you play as well i think pitchers develop at a different pace than position players i think position players develop at the pace of their competition um, I was 21 in AA, 22 in AAA. The, those would be junior and senior years. Um, I'm just going on a limb and assuming that AA and AAA competition are better than, than college. So I felt like that helped me in my progression. But everybody's a little different. Some people need college to, to develop. It just depends on where you're at, where you're at um, physically, most importantly, uh, because you have to be able to withstand a long enough season. Um, you know, to, to stay to stay strong and competitive, but also mentally, more 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 important mentally, being able to deal with uh, you know everything that comes with professional baseball. But I think it just depends on where you at, where you at, what you see your, yourself and your potentials reaching. All right, like we said, we're gonna finish things off. Jonah Heim, guy who's been traded three times, three times, tells us what it's like to get traded. When you traded three times, in all different ways, by the way. You know, you're the young guy, you're the prospect, you're the guy part of the of a, of a big trade, you're a player to be named later. 
all of that. But congratulations to Jonah Heim. He's also an all-star, 12 home runs, 282 batting average, 815 OPS, having a great year for the Rangers. Congratulations to him. So here you go, cap things off. And there's more podcasts coming not only this weekend, but today. Today, the last day of the week, well, last weekday of the week, Friday, Betting Isn't Boring podcast with Jonathan Papelbon. Lot to get to, lot to soak in, lot to do as you're sitting in your cubicle or on your drive or on walking on the beach or whatever you're doing. We're here for you because you know what? Baseball isn't boring. Here's Joe Heim. You've had some unique trades, right? Uh, for a young man, congratulations on the All-Star. Thank you. I mean, you've landed on your feet, but it's been a journey. So is it, it's not a broad brush to be traded, I would imagine. The first time is different than the second time and the third time. So what's it like for you? Uh, the first time was definitely probably the most shocking. Uh, I was at the trade deadline in the middle of the season. I think I was in high. And, and Frederick just hitting BP and getting called off the field. And, uh, they told me I've been traded to Tampa. I had to pack all my bags up and drove to drove to Florida the next day. So Steve uh, Pierce, right? Yeah, Steve Pierce. Yeah, the first one was weird. Um, the second one was probably a little. It was in the off season, so it was a little, little easier adjustment. Um, and then the third one was was uh, interesting because I've already been in the big leagues, and, uh, getting traded over to the again so that was a little weird one but um yeah, I think I, it ended up good, and we're, uh, we're here now. We love it. We love it in Texas, and it wouldn't change it for the world. So it's it's one of these things where, the, like you said, the first one's weird because, much like myself, I've never been traded. You had never been traded. What did it feel like you thought it would? Because I've talked to other guys, and it's sort of like it's great that a team wants me, but these are my guys. Yeah, you know? it's uh, you're, you're leaving a lot of friendships. And, uh, it's the team I was drafted by, so it's obviously um, the team. I pictured me making my debut with and all that stuff. So uh, I was a little weird saying goodbye to all those guys and, and all my teammates and my coaches. But like I said, uh, all of it led up to this, so it wouldn't change it for That's a good compliment, like, especially that trade, though. I mean, it's fact that like, you're talking about an established major leaguer is going to be prioritized. And they said, that's the guy we want, right? For sure. Uh, obviously, when you get traded sure, for a big leaguer, it's, it's, especially being a, a lower like minor league guy, it's, uh, it's pretty special. And this last one, like you said, is a little different because you had been in the major leagues. Um, did you? Is that the sort of one to say you know, like you're looking at rosters and you're looking at this is where I fit and this is how I'm going to continue and make the most? Obviously, you've made the most of it. Did you? Is that more of the case? Uh, yeah, I was just um, being in Oakland. I, I knew I was essentially going to be back in Murphy and, and didn't, uh, time here and there and when I got traded to Texas was, uh, I saw a great opportunity that I, I might be able to start and play some ball in the game so uh, it was just it was nice to be able to, to get traded to a team where, where I had the opportunity to, uh, to, to fight for a spot and try to win a spot and here you go yeah. I mean so uh, the last thing what are you looking for the most in Seattle I mean this is I don't know where you were an all-star guy or did you watch it it's alright if you didn't watch the all-star game you watched the home run derby or? oh yeah I always grew up watching it um, I think it's just going to be being around all these these guys, these big name guys, just to pick their brains and, and talk to them, and get to know them, and just, uh, and then just enjoy, enjoy the day. Uh, and run off all these amazing athletes. And, uh, just enjoy. You know, be one of those guys videotaping the whole run derby. You've seen those guys, right? Yeah, no, I'm just going to sit there and enjoy it with my son. All right, hey, thank you very much. Yeah. Old man. 
and winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.